Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. Yeah, once again, our moment of not talking happened at the same spot it always does. Instead of happening on number three, the bridges, we waited till number four. We were sitting at a cool one under, and I just needed you from the gold tees to hit something onto the front of the green and maybe just protect the bogey. Uh, I think you were in your pocket as I was tapping in for a smooth five. So I should on a say this: seventy-two yard par three. Here is the thing that is important. Whenever Michael needed me most, I failed. <laughs> but you're aware of that. This is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. I went to play golf yesterday morning, and Peter Hicks was there, and he said, I listened to that. It was so sad. Yeah. It was so sad. You made me rethink my association with the game I love. It's all true. I failed in every opportunity that I had, and I always hit after Michael, and all I had to do was hit the ball straight once or twice, and I... I couldn't do it. Yesterday the the was worst was when we were t- walking down the fairway when you try and cheer me up. I, I, go, I just want to be by myself right now, <laughs> walking off into the trees. Here we go. This is from Steve Fishner in Kipps Bay, New York. Kipps Bay is in the 30s on the east side, right? That's where Kipps Bay hey, is. Movie theater. Dear Tony, I was going to write about the time I sat next to retired Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor on a morning Geneva to JFK flight while she and I chatted and she drank wine, but something more important happened this morning. My wife, Reva, and I, both proud graduates of George Washington University, were in a super long and numbingly inefficient security line at Charles de Gaulle Airport in Paris when I heard an incredibly familiar voice say, I just hate inefficiency. Calling upon my usually useless talent for identifying voices, I surmised that it was a long-time regular on my most favorite podcast. Since it was the day after the men's final at the Paris Open, I felt confident enough to ask, excuse me, are you Liz Clark? <laughs> after a long pause, she graciously confirmed that indeed it was her. Forget about the Eiffel Tower. Meeting Liz was the highlight of my trip to Paris. Liz said she'd tell you I loved your work for many years, but I'm sending this email in case she forgot. You, you talked to Liz about this. She told you this story, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yes, it was just great. It's fantastic. Yeah. So I have to tell her that we, we got an email from, from the book she spoke with. This is like getting the email from Gary Bettman's son. Right. Exactly. Confirming <laughs> that he caddied for me at Alpine. Exactly. Yeah, well, the first three holes are very, very hard. Greg Garcia writes, this is in support of the kid. Dear Tony, D-E-E-R-T-O-N-I. I am writing you to discuss one of your Y-O-U-R-E listeners, Eli Cruikshank. At first, I thought it was amusing that you poked fun at the typos and misspellings where he spells miss with four S's in his recent email requesting to be a guest on the podcast. But then, as the other littles piled on and wrote in their T-H-E-Y-R-E, fancy good proofread emails and song parodies, P-A-R-O-T-E-E-S, I started to feel bad for young Eli and how quickly he is being discounted. May I remind you of another, and the A and the N are separated, <laughs> another young kid who darkened your Y-O-U-R-E door in his early 20s, spelled wrong, wearing shorts in the winter, breathing from the mouth, and stinking of booze on a Wednesday, not even close to Wednesday morning. A graduate of Frostburg with capitals on F and the R, State University, who didn't know the difference between your and your I'm talking about me, in case you aren't picking up what I'm putting down. Your pal, Greg Garcia from Team Cruikshank. It's brilliant. Greg is brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant, as we know. It's brilliant. Love, Greg. Uh, And then I got a very nice note from Peter Sonnenschein. He was the person who uh, Len Rubin uh, sort of guided to us. With a picture. Who did the picture, the portrait of me. 
And he writes, thanks so much for the shout out of the painting I did of you. This is Peter Sonnenshine. I'm good friends with Len Rubin. He gave me your email. First things first, I love you and Mike Wilbon talking about sports. I watch you guys every night at 5.30 while getting ready for dinner. And he has this disorder called familial dysautonomia, which is called FD, which affects the autonomic, autonomic nervous system that can easily go out of control. Doctors never expect you to live with FD to my ripe old age of 37, and we showed them. My body is unstable. I have numerous medical problems, and I've discovered that drawing and painting can really take my mind off worrying about these problems. I can work for hours, even though I am legally blind. Each of us FDers have to find ways to create stability. This is obviously heartwarming, and I'm so grateful that he listens. Yes. And so kind of him to send a picture and all of that. And, and it's just really nice. And he's got a website with paintings, in case you want to look at it. PeterSonnenshine.com. P-E-T-E-R-S-O-N-E-N-S-H-E-I-N. PeterSonnenshine.com. So thank you for all of that, and I hope people like the work. Uh, what should we start with today? The Angels can't win. <laughs> they didn't win last night after they fired Joe Madden. Yeah, and they were up It's two. 13 in a row. Yeah. They fired... You know, I, I wrote um, Happy Trails the other day for yesterday's show. It had to be changed at 3 o'clock because he got fired. But the Happy Trails was to Mike Trout's 0 for 26 because he led off... Or his first at bat against Boston in the game they lost one nothing was a hard single off Michael Walker. Okay. And I wrote at the end of it, guys like Mike Trout are allowed to play their way out of slumps. Do you think the same will happen with Joe Madden? And two hours later, Kelleher calls me and said, we got to change trails. They fired Joe Madden. I said, I believe I had that. <laughs> Nobody knows. Except question. people are listening now. And so they fired, they fired Madden, who won the world, you know, he won the World Series with the Cubs. We have Wilbon on later. We'll ask Wilbon about it. But he's a heroic figure in Chicago. Sure. Nobody had won in 100 years. He won a World Series. He's a good manager. Yeah, it was great. He's really good with Tampa. Yes. Took Tampa to a World Series. They had no payroll. He's really good. And they got off to a great start in Anaheim for this team yeah. this year. You I know, done if I owned the Washington Nationals and I knew that, that Davey Martinez sat at his side for a couple of years in the Chicago organization, I'd bring him in. I'd bring him in. Why not? Now, you can't because they're selling the team and they're not doing it. But if I were not selling the team, if I was looking to be competitive, I'd bring him in. I don't know why people can't win uh, with California. I mean, it's been forever. Yeah. And they have so much talent. You know, Trout, Yeah, Otani, but, but Rendon, Rendon gets hurt all the time. Yeah. Gets they started all. to address the pitching. Uh, flip side of your, uh, or, or your point about the Angels, the Phillies can't lose. Can't lose. Fired <laughs> Joe Girardi, and they keep winning all Against the time. Against Hader. You know. Oh, yeah, that's Josh right. Josh Hader, one of the great closers in, in, in the game. Yeah. And the Phillies can't lose. So all that took was getting anybody in there. They brought in Rob Thompson. They, they could have brought in, I don't know, who, who else is out there. You know, Rob anybody. Rob, Rob Deer. Rob Dibble. Rob Deer, yeah. yeah, anybody named Rob. <laughs> they could have done that. Don't you think? Yeah. Because no, that, that team, again, is loaded. That, that, that was the frustration. was like, why? Are we, and you They're guys better were, than that. Yeah. They, yeah. Right, you were just waiting for the offense to finally click. Yeah. Um, I, I, I need to talk to Michael about this. The USGA, which runs the United States Open, declared yesterday, while they said their policy might change down the road because the CEO, Michael Wan, said this is a moving target. But for this year, they declared that anybody who was in the U.S. Open is 
eligible to play in the U.S. Open, regardless of whether they play on the Saudi Golf Tour, which starts tomorrow. No, Friday. Starts Friday in London. Yeah, do the time difference, yeah. So, so this was an enormous victory for the Saudi Golf Tour, and by the way, for professional golfers. <laughs> because now, if they want, they can put their hands out and catch the money, if that's what they want to do, if that's what they choose to do. The PGA Tour, which I believe is a hollow shell, the PGA Tour had not wanted this to happen. The PGA Tour has been threatening to bar. You heard Steve Sands say the other day, he thought they'd ban them for life. Ban all these guys who went to the Live Tour, the Saudi Tour for life, like Kevin Na, like Dustin Johnson. Dustin Johnson and Kevin Na, they resigned from the PGA Tour. They said, who cares? We're taking the money. Phil Mickelson has not yet resigned, doesn't want to resign. But Michael, what is your read, uh, short term at least, what this does for golf and what you think golfers will do as a result? Well, I, I think the, the first thing is so many casual sports fans are confused as to who runs what when it comes to golf because you just assume everything that is associated with men's professional golf that starts on this side of the pond is sort of run by the PGA Tour. Oh, no, no, And you no. don't necessarily realize the majors are their own entities. And in many ways, you look at the way the calendar has been shifted uh, with the PGA moving to May, and now you have this condensed major calendar. Uh, as the PGA Tour tries to thwart this off, that condensed calendar sort of goes against them because once these things start to run, uh, they sort of are their own, their own uh, sort of their own. They have their own ground, momentum. Yeah, their own their own ground emotions, uh, momentum here. So if you look at this, it's a it's an open tournament. Uh, you go back to Tin Cup and you, the dream of any any driving it's range open. pro qualifying, and you th- see golf's longest day on Monday. The stories of guys who stay around for one final qualifying spot or become the alternate. So. For right now, those guys are able to play. If you have the if you have the qualifying record, if you have say the the the, the past play to get in, you're allowed to play. But the wording of the USJ's <clears throat> announcement made it basically seem like they were trying to tee up a currently conforming golf ball high and let it fly as far away from them as possible, and sort of hoping that this would figure its way out down the road. Uh, right now, the the biggest thing that's affecting players who are going to this other tour as they uh, move away from right now, the beginning of June is going to be world golf ranking points. Th- those are sort of the points that are going to get you. They'll into, lose them. They will lose them because there's no real way to to sort of quantify what and these are not. And, the, and these, these Saudi tournaments are not four rounds; they're three rounds. So it's it's when you want to figure in, it, it's like if batting averages, you know, if, if it was a five inning game, it would be a little bit different. You go well. What is that a real game? Is that and even how- if you could figure something out with that, you might look at strength of field and say, well, you're not playing necessarily against the best players in the That's world. Right. But for the right now, you look at it and go, okay, players like Phil Mickelson, because of his record, uh, you know, in the PGA last year, he's qualified for this U.S. this U.S. Open and the next upcoming, I think it's five. five Dustin years. Johnson as a past champion, ten. That's a long time, and those are those are the two biggest names. So if you look at other players who are good enough to say still go through sectional qualifying, uh, that's a that's a big thing. Though they're they are still trying to say their their lack of action right now does not mean that they're trying to show support to any of these other any of these other golf leagues. It came up on the U.S. Open's watch. They thought about it. They knew for months that they were going to have to do something about this. And they, if, if it was up to them, they would pull the covers over their heads and they would do nothing at all. But it does seem to me that when something is called an open and you qualify, 
If I qualify for the U.S. Open and you tell me, oh, I, I don't think we can let you in because you played on this other tour last week, I would make a call to Abby Lowell in five seconds, mm -hmm. and I would say, get me injunctive relief. This is ridiculous. I qualified. I didn't kill anybody. I went somewhere else, and I played golf for a week. I want to be in, and I would be in. I mean, it's, I don't think there's any question about that. The morality question that comes up, there are a lot of columnists who talk about the blood money that you take from Saudi Arabia, a repressive government, a government about which Phil Mickelson said, we know they killed, and it's Khashoggi, the, the columnist from the Washington Post, and we know they execute people for just being gay. These are Phil's words. And that those are the famous words in the Shipnuck um, story. They're, they're scary MFers. Yeah, that's right. Right. So you say to yourself, well, you shouldn't do business with them. Okay. And there may be a lot of golfers who don't want to be involved in a term that Michael taught me the other day, sports washing, in which a government like Saudi Arabia uses athletes to cleanse itself from all of these other charges. And some guys, and I can think of Rory McIlroy, might stand up and say, I don't want to be part of that. I don't want that money. But, and there's always a but, the United States government does business with Saudi Arabia. The government. The United States government does business with other repressive countries, such as China and Russia. The NBA is totally invested in China. To ask golfers to do something that the country doesn't even do strikes me as a hard ask. What do you think? Yeah, that's sort of the Taylor Gooch uh, position, because all these players sat for a Q&A, and they were asked hard questions. Graham McDowell was not did not come across in a favorable light. No, he just tried not. again. He just tried to stiff arm and go like, "I'm not smart enough to be a politician." But uh, again, if you look at the timing of this, particularly with uh, inflation, with rising gas prices, with cost of living, and you look at what we might have to do in, in terms of trying to alleviate some of those stresses as we go into the midterms, that's gonna it's gonna change the way we might look at some of those golfers. Yeah. So you know, it's a complicated issue. If you ask me right now, who's winning? I'll tell you, Greg Norman's winning by a lot. Yeah. But in three weeks, maybe he doesn't. I don't know. Yeah, so here's the thing. The, the, the golf tour actually has to start, and you, and you look at their team concept, which is a cool concept, and you see yeah. how, how fun that has been for the PGA Tour when they've done that team concept. The names and the logos that they've unveiled are ridiculous. Are they? Really? They're, yes. So it still, it still shows you there is this threshold you have to jump over just to be a real-time sports league. It's not just throwing money on it. You've seen this as they're trying to figure out who's going to be calling the games, and they have uh, the voice from soccer that some of us might know only from Ted Lasso. Uh, but you look at something that's... You can only find it on YouTube and their website. So far. So, yes. So far. So far. So far. You but know, we saw when... We got time. Yes. You know, and it doesn't matter what happens in the first one if by the second one, they got... Sure. More players and a worldwide television yeah. contract. But if you become the, the laughing stock of the sporting world over well, the weekend, you, you're just going to have to continue to throw more money to try and dig your and, way out of it. And that. that's right. And I'll give you as an example. Every once in a while, I land on Fox as they are televising the USFL. Oh. All games from the same site in Birmingham, Alabama. And when I say there's nobody in the stands, <laughs> I'm not kidding. There's nobody. there's nobody. Yeah. They don't even want to show the stands. I don't know who's watching these games. That is totally propped up by television, but I don't know who's watching. I don't know how that can continue. 
There's nobody there. Doesn't seem possible. I mean, There's nobody there. They, you're right. They don't want to do a wide shot of because it's just empty seats. Nobody there. Well, for yeah. Live Golf, they put out these ridiculous price tags for the tickets, and they got slammed for that. And now they've basically been given away. If you do like McDowell code McDowell, you get free I don't tickets. Th- I don't think you have to have. I, I think in golf, I'm not certain you have to have people on the course as long as you have the product on the course. Right. I'm not certain. You can get away with not having people. Think about the best moments when you walk, the, the crowds swell behind the the winner of the Open, and yeah. when they chase British after Open. Tiger. And, but if you don't have that, you need to have a very tight package. Yeah. So, yep. see how it goes. Uh, Michael Wilbon will join us when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Finger out sports media and a fan of, oh, my NC State Wolfpack for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes... It's exploring the sliding doors moments and what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed magic in Chicago, Michael in LA, and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former sports center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will probably open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall. Legacies will change forever. New goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. You're listening, You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a girl named Lucy Koplansky. Her music is sent to us by our friend Michael Granberry, the arts and feature writer of the Dallas Morning News, who sends us only great stuff. It's amazing. He writes that Lucy, as a teenager, moved from her native Chicago, Wilbon, lived in Chicago to Greenwich Village, where she met such aspiring fellow troubadours and friends as Sean Colvin and Suzanne Vega. Not too much later, she enrolled in Yeshiva University, intent on becoming a clinical psychologist. There she earned a doctorate, only to make her way back to what she really loves, which is music. She released the first of nine solo albums, The Tide, in 1994. She's terrific. This is called Elmhurst Queen's Mother's Day, and it plays in Michael Wilbon, Chicago's own. Before we get to anything about sports, how was Matthew's graduation? How was that? It was great. It was great. You know, there's only there's a small school, Woods Academy, Tony. <clears throat> I don't know. I, I should know exactly how many kids. I mean, it's 30-some, it's maybe 40, 40-something. 40 and they eat, you know, Joe Powers is just a terrific head of the school. Uh, for graduation, as they come up to receive their diploma, uh, each he talks about each kid personally, tells a story about each of the graduates. It, it was just charming. Uh, you know, I flew back on the red eye from San Francisco uh, to get there. And, you know, you, I'm not wasn't going to miss the graduation unless, you know, United Airlines, I never know whether they're going to come through or not between the actual flight and your luggage. You know, it's about a 40% equation with, with United. But I got back on the red eye and got to go to graduation, and we had a party at the house afterward, and off I went back to the finals. But it was... Uh, it was, it was, it was, you know, tremendous. So 14 year olds and all the kids, you know, you know, them. you get to know them. You really do. Cause there's so, there's so few of them. You get to know them and their parents. And so, I was small, you know, I have 92 kids in my graduating class 50 years ago, but they got half that less than half, about half that. So you really get to know everybody. 
So does the headmaster just slip them a 10 when they get up there, just, you know, so that for name, image, and likeness or anything like that? Who spoke? Did you speak? Did you speak at the graduation? No, 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 no. I, you know, I, I can, I, you know, between April 15 and June 15, I can barely get anywhere. Okay. So much you less be counted on to, to do anything. And uh, there was a recent graduate uh, who spoke. Uh, you know, it was, it was it was people at school. Joe Powers again. Everybody in, in the community knows him. He's just a wonderful, wonderful Good. All right. uh, teacher and, and 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 head of a school. And it's just it, it's Matthew's been a lifer. He started there in in Montessori and went through eighth grade. It was just a wonderful experience. Wouldn't change it. Wouldn't trade it for the world. Now he's going to Gonzaga, which is lovely. Let's go to sports. Yeah. Let's go to two things that interest me other than the NBA, because we'll get to the NBA, and they didn't play last night. And we all know what's going on at playing tonight. So let's get to some other things. One of the greatest managers in the history of Chicago Cubs, the only guy who took him to the World Series in 100 years, Joe Madden, fired yesterday by the Angels. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, uh, that's hard for me. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I don't. The Angels, they don't resonate with me. I don't care about the Angels, but I, yeah, I mean, when Joe went out there, you think, okay, he's going to have some resources. They got resources. He's going to have a primary player in Trout, and they acquire yep. Rendon. I'm not. I wasn't counting pool on pool holes last year for these before he left anyway. But the, wow, what a mess the Angels are constantly, and Joe couldn't fix it. I mean, he had the only one that couldn't fix it. It's been 20 years since they've been any good. And um, so I feel I feel for Joe Madden. I mean, Joe, look, Joe's going to be known for one thing in baseball for the rest of his days, for the rest of his life. And that's winning in 2016 with the Cubs. That's it. That's right. I mean, nothing else. There's no encore to that. One of the things, Tony, I think I've told you is that I, I feel this way. And granted, I'm closer to the situation because I'm from Chicago, born and raised, followed these teams forever. But there are two singular teams that will be known for doing one thing. And I think it's all they could do. The 85 Bears, who many people think, I know they weren't undefeated like the Dolphins. They may be the best team ever. Greatest team. Right. They may be. And yeah. It, it's they singular. may be. They did nothing else. They, they're known by one year, 85. Right. They got beat the next year after a 10 nothing lead in the playoff game by the Redskins. Right. They got beat the very next year. They had the same personnel, because back then you could have the same personnel. Jim McMahon might have been hurt, but they had pretty much the same personnel. And in the 2016 Cubs, because they did the thing that was impossible, even harder than the Red Sox. 20 more years than the Red Sox had in uh, 04 in terms of drought. So Joe Madden did that. Joe Madden, you could see Joe Madden, like, in Chicago on his bike. You know, it's the, it's the, it's the smallest big city in America, Chicago is. And Joe could be out on a corner on a rush, you know, um, and you could, you know, sit and have a nice tea with him. <laughs> you know, it's just—it's not, you know, it's still the third biggest city in America, but it's not like the others. It's not as impersonal. It's very personal. And Joe Madden's always going to be a hero there, always. Yeah, he—you want to see him? He, you could see him taking Tony Larusa's spot, couldn't you? No. No. Okay. No, not really, Tony. That's a good question, though. But Larusa is tied in for decades with the Reinsdorfs and the yeah, White but he's seventy-eight years old. He's not going to do it forever. Yeah, maybe, maybe I hadn't thought. Man, you know what? I have to ask about that. I, I, I know the people, as you know, to actually ask about that. That's right. That's right. But but and the White Sox are underachievers. 
They just are. I'm not saying to fire Tony LaRusso. I'm saying no, to no, get no, a plan I, together. Well, yeah, that's they all. just they but they they're underachievers, Tom. The yeah. White Sox to me could be the most. We could make the case while I was talking to one of the baseball scribes that the White Sox is the biggest underachiever in baseball right now. That's possible. All right, let me move to something else. And I know this is very marginal in your life, but there's a greater ramification here. The Olympics are going to declare, they have declared, that you cannot skate in the Olympics if you're under 17 years old. And yeah. I'm sure a lot of people are going to say, well, that's great because you don't want pressures on these 15-year-olds and 16-year-olds. Yeah. But Oksana Bayul won a gold medal at 16 yeah. years old. She was ready to go. You know how I feel about going to the NBA. If you're 14 and you're ready to go, I, you know, that's your choice. I think you and I differ on this. I don't like yeah. this rule. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with the age limit rules. I just am, especially now that I'm the parent of a 14-year-old. Uh-huh. No, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. I mean, everybody doesn't get to do everything. It's not your inalienable right to compete at 12 years old because they, they're just going to go subterranean. People are going to get to the point where somebody's 13. No, no, 17. Oksana Bayou wouldn't have competed on my uh, if I was the czar of, of skating. And gymnastics was the same way, and they put a limit in. They put a limit in. They need to, Tony. It's not even about the performance at the Olympics or the performance at the event we're talking about. It's the culture of these things that put the pressure on people at 12 and 13 and 14. Now, what kind of environment are they in and where are they left by their parents to practice for 10 hours a day? No, no, enough. No. Okay. All right. Not only am I not for it, I am angrily increasingly for the limit. Okay. So we're on opposite sides on that. Yeah. We're on opposite sides on that. Your thoughts now, as the U.S. Open said to the PGA Tour, stick it. We're not doing it your way. We're not with you. We're going to allow people who have qualified for our tournament, democratically qualified by going out there and shooting a score, we're going to let them play regardless of where they played the week before. What do you think this does to the PGA Tour short-term, long-term? What do you think it does with the Saudis short-term, long-term? I don't think it does anything long-term because they, they, the PGA seems to have its tackles up and they want to flex and they're going to lose in court, period. They're going to lose. Yes, they are. And the, the restraint of trade, they're going to lose. And the, the, the arrogance of it is just sort of NFL-like. You know, it really is. Uh, and I don't expect to stand it with, withstand any legal, real, serious legal test. And I don't know what it does. So short-term to me doesn't matter because the moment somebody challenges legally, the moment somebody walks in and says, here's my lawyer, have a chat, it's going to be done. So, you know, case by case, you, you could probably do with an event like the Masters. It's an invitational. Now that's different. You know, the Masters when, can do what I, it wants. Yeah. Oh, the word open. <laughs> yes, open. That's right. That's right. It changes it. And the open, you know, I don't think that the open – you know, the British Open doesn't won't care about this. Most of the people are going to be from Europe anyway, it seems, on the Saudi tour. I so agree. I agree. I, I just think, you know, this is a tempest in a teapot for right now. And it's, I just find it funny that golf, which, you know, in which in this country, its history is rooted in exclusionary practices. 100%. <laughs> 100%. Like, really? Really? Yeah. No. We're doing that now? 100% on that. I mean, I could see... This, if the, the Saudis, 
money, they don't care. They don't care. Mike, if you want to announce the Live Tour, they'll give you $300 million. (laughs) They don't care. That's you right. Know. You, you and I should be, you know, you and I should have looked into that. Um, <laughs> Just, but, I, you know, so, Tony, I, I, I'm going to, I, first of all, who's televising? Somebody will now. I would think yeah, Fox would. In like well, three minutes. Well, I don't mean this you particular know. tournament. Well, did did Greg Norman leave Fox on bad terms or good terms? Because if he left on good terms, Fox would be uh, the one to do it. But I don't know. I don't know I what guess, happened there. I guess it could be, know. yeah, especially yeah. the international situation. Sure. You know, it's got to be, what, Sky TV, right? I mean, is that, don't they have to be Well, somehow? I mean, like, Rupert Murdoch is from another place and understands right. global television. Yeah. He does. And understands, and understands revenue stream. Yeah. He, as well he, as anybody. He gets Better that. than most. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Absolutely tell. All right. Um, oh, by the way, I got another thing, too. Um, we may be on different sides on this one. What's I am against positionless all-star teams for the NBA. I am against that. Are you for it? Well, I think, you, I think there's a middle ground. Mm-hmm. I don't like the position stuff because it's a positionless game now. Don't tell me I can't have Embiid and uh, Joker and Giannis on the same team. I don't want to hear that. That's, that's, that's lazy. And so I, even if I'm not for positionless, I'm for front court, back court, maybe. But then okay. where does Luka Doncic go? Back court. I mean, court. Seriously, just specific question. Okay, I mean, uh, I he's guess. got he's got the I ball mean, in his hands eighty percent of the time on that team. Back okay, court. That mean, okay, but that's not just size. It's not just size well, for me. Okay, even if I give I, look, it's I'm, it's it's a complex issue. Where yep. does Giannis go? He's got the ball eighty percent of the time, but we're not going to argue he's a guard. He's he's front court, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's front court. So yeah. if we did front court, back court, Tony, which and there was a move to do that because I voted on these things. I, I, I voted on these things, and and so I, I'm okay for front court, back court, but pretty soon, yeah, position. Let's look. You know, I'm not even for um, seeding by conference anymore. Just seed them, seed the best teams, have the best teams play. Now it's working out this year. It's fine. Because the East is good again, and you can field a team. You know, I'm not even for, I'm not even for West versus East in the All Star game. I'm for U.S. versus the rest of the world. Yeah, give me something that's an exhibition. Some that's fine. Yeah, I don't care. That that, that I, I'm okay. They can do whatever they want with that. All right, get you out of here on this because I know you got to go to Boston. Um, your position is that Boston has the advantage right now. We'll see what happens in Game Three. But do you expect Boston to win Game Three tonight? Yes, I expect yes. them to win tonight. And that's probably okay. right. we'll see what happens if everybody comes out healthy. I probably expect probably Golden State to win Game Four. Yeah, and then you know we'll be two-two. Yeah, ensuring a six-game series, ensuring. We go back to uh, Oakland, which we're going to do anyway. Not Oakland anymore, San Francisco. Uh, we go to San Francisco for Monday's Game 5. So that's, I'm expecting a long series, Tom. Okay. Uh, and I'm expecting you know, the, the, all the angst about Clay Thompson to be a waste of time. Clay Thompson will come out and be Clay Thompson tonight after a couple of rough games. That's what, you, you have rough games in the playoffs because the other teams are trying hard. <laughs> so even Hall of Famers have rough games. And so I, I expect Clay Thompson to be Clay Tom, something closer to the Clay we're used to tonight. But I still expect Boston to win. By the way, uh, people who don't watch don't know this. We had Mark Messier on the show yesterday. Mark Messier has six Stanley Cups. Mark Messier is a godlike player. What did That's you right. think? Were you? I was a little starstruck. I have to admit. 
Yes. Having him yeah, yeah, yeah. on the show. Yeah. How about you? Yes. 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 Yeah. And the funny thing is, I'm not starstruck by Gretzky anymore because I see you know. him so often. Right. I've gotten to know him. I play right. golf with him. You know, yeah. Yeah, Messier, man. The captain. Come on. Yeah. I mean, he was yeah. six. Yeah. He's got, what, two more than Gretzky? Yes. One, one in so, Edmonton and one in New York. He's got six. If you, if you take the Montreal Canadiens' great dynasty in the 40s, 50s, and 60s out of this, if you go to the last 40 years, 50, 50. who's got more than six? I mean, you got to go after Lafleur. you got to go in Dryden, and you got to go, you got to go Messier. That's six. Six he's is great. a lot. He's imposing looking at this yeah. age. Yeah. He's just, it's just, oh, it's so cool to have had him. Yeah, and he didn't do that yeah. thing like your boy Erlacher getting new hair. He didn't do that. No, man, he stayed. He stayed true to the yeah. brotherhood. I like. Right. Like, I liked him a lot. I'll talk to you later. Have a good time. All right, John. Thanks, Michael Wilbon, boys and girls. Uh, we will come back. Jason Lockenfora will join us when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. The connection between you and your therapist matters. That's why Alma focuses on helping you find the right someone to talk to, not just anyone. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search by what you want to focus on, like anxiety, relationships, or big life transitions. You can also specify preferences around gender, race, faith, and more to help you find someone who's more likely to understand where you're coming from. Alma also makes it easy for therapists to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of providers in their directory accept insurance for sessions, so you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash not just anyone to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash not just anyone. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is Lucy Kaplansky, who says, I came to New York to sing, to be a folk singer. This is Michael Granberry saying what she once told him. It was going really well. When I was 21, I had a really nice write-up in the New York Times, and then I decided to quit, although at the time, I didn't want to be a singer. I wanted to be a therapist. And with the help of her own really good therapist, she made her way back. I'd been too unconsciously conflicted to let myself have what I wanted, she says. And once I was able to see that was what I wanted, I couldn't turn back. The New Yorker once described Lucy as a truly gifted performer with a bag full of enchanting songs. I also like the description in the Boston Globe, which once wrote Lucy Kaplansky is becoming the troubadour laureate of modern city folk. This is a song called Ten Years Night. She's great. Oh, who's kidding who? <laughs> She's great. Terrific. Michael, if peace, people like Lucy Koblansky or their good friends like Michael Granberry want to send in their music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonykornizershow.com. You know, somebody should send me her albums. She's really good. Jason Lockenfora joins us now. We haven't talked about football in a while. We're going to talk about football. And I just before I get to the question I want to get to on Deshaun Watson, which to me is the overriding issue in football at the moment, I, you know, the, the impetus for this is OTAs are starting and minicamps and all that other stuff. And I just saw it today, Jason, and I'll ask you to comment on this. Aaron Rodgers has said publicly that he definitely – will play his entire career with the Green Bay Packers. I've got to tell you, I like Aaron Rodgers personally. I'm so sick of Aaron Rodgers yeah. at this point. Are yeah. you? I'm so sick of him. Yeah, it's uh, I can. It's kind of easy to be over him a little bit at this point. <laughs> yeah. um, absolutely. 
Yeah, I don't know what that declarative statement What's means, Tone. Like, he's been a guy who's been saying, I'm, I'm got one foot out the door I'm for leaving. a while. <laughs> and he gets a hundred, like 103 million fully guaranteed just in the next two years with the chance to continue to make about 50 a year after that for another year if he so chooses on rolling guarantees. So, yeah, it's good to know that he's quasi-committed to basically finishing his career with Green Bay. Like, that's that's wonderful news. This is, it's Aaron Rodgers who started this whole thing. Yes. It's Aaron Rodgers responsible for all of this. And now Aaron Rodgers is, yeah, I'm going to definitely stay here. And I can even feel him looking at people who ask that, like, mm. what are you, stupid? Of course I'm going to stay here. And you're, whoa, 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 Aaron, you yeah. did this. Yeah. We didn't do this, right? Am I right? Yeah, you can kind of feel the, the side-eye glance or the, just, well, again, this, this guy is, He's got multiple black belts in the passive-aggressive arts. He, <laughs> he has taken that whole mind games thing to another level. Uh, he, yeah. he clearly revels in it. Yeah, It clearly is a part of sort of his... Like, I think certain guys kind of enjoy certain things to, to kind of lube themselves up for a season or get themselves through a season, right? Ben, ben Roethlisberger was always mythologizing injuries, fake or real, yes. and sort of basking in the whole... Um, it will he won't he how bad is it like that that stuff that that whole um the the chatter about what's next for ben i, I think always drove him and i, I think this guy's got uh, you know certainly some stuff going on with him where he wants to act like he is above the fray oh, yes. and and he tone he like he, he wants is to the act fray. like none of this none of the, this whole like the idea that people talk about me or hang on the on what I say like I'm I'm just naive to all that yet at the same time he completely revels in it he he completely is is an unbelievable content generator for the sort of industrial sports media complex. You're 100% um, right. He's a manipulator. And I played golf with him. I like him. Yeah. I like him, but shut up with this, right? <laughs> it's, 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 it's a lot to... Yeah, it's... it's <laughs> It's a lot to take in on a on a quasi regular basis. Yes, right. um, right. we're, we're done less with that, would sorry. be more with him. <laughs> we're right about now. So let me get to Deshaun Watson. More people are coming out and saying yeah. that Deshaun Watson did this to them as well. Everybody knows what we're talking about here. Yeah. If if these things are true, now maybe none of them are true. Maybe none of them are true. Maybe, but if they are true. If they are true, and there's now 22 women lined up to testify, I guess. If they are true, then at the very least, Deshaun Watson believes that female massage therapists are prostitutes. At the yeah. very least. What, you know, the, the league, I don't know if they can wait on verdicts. I don't know how this is going to work. Doesn't the league have to have a policy on Deshaun Watson? And if it does, Jason, what do you think it will be? Well... This is um, a situation where, because of his sort of distorted behavior, his um, seeking out and pursuit of, you know, we, we now have the New York Times saying 66 yes. different um, individuals in the span of less than a year and a half, most of them without um, a significant massage background, right? Many of them just getting into it, just getting certified. Um, his his uh, 
pursuit of them through unusual means like Instagram, direct messages, what have you. Um, he, he, there, there's something off with him. There, there's, yes. there's, there's serious behavioral issues here. Um, I spoke a lot about the time of this trade and, and how um, I found it revolting that these teams are talking about. And it wasn't just the Browns. The Browns are just the one who threw the right numbers in front of them to get him to look back at them. But the, these teams who, you know, an hour conversation or uh, 90 minutes on Zoom or, you know, an hour with the owner acting as if they had done any sort of real research or digging down into his psyche, what makes him tick, where is this coming from, um, you know, even if you, you just sort of take the, the sexual aspect out of it, like, is he seeking these power imbalance relationships? Is there something that happened to him in his past um, that would lead him to do this? What, 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 what does, like, was he trying to get, like, was he trying to get caught at a certain point? Was this some sort of cry for help? Like that, the, the whole sort of um, medical component to this, um, mental health component to this, I just think has kind of been ignored or glossed over, or these teams just they they wanted to know what they knew and they didn't want to know what they didn't want to know. But but regardless, because of that behavior, he has put himself in in a situation where there have been so many of these encounters, and you know that that just the sheer volume and the nature of this this being a situation where there is no third party who could speak to this or that, right? In, in, in almost all these cases, it's it's two individuals in That's a room. Right. That's right. Like. I, it's, of course, it's not going to stop. And different people respond to these things in different ways. And some people want to come forward, you know, and and immediately. And some people never want to come forward. And the the, the idea, though, that there is now a, a sort of co- cohort of women who are are amplifying and and confirming these behavioral patterns, Tony, without seeking any recourse criminally. They're not coming after his money. They're not coming after his paycheck. They're not saying he should never play in the NFL again. They're just saying, I I had to add my voice to this in some way, shape, or form because I experienced it as well. It is not right. And in some cases, they're saying it it, it absolutely was against the law. And we hope there's there's some degree of recourse here. So, yeah, it's it's. It's alarming, it's troubling, it's disgusting, and the NFL's personal conduct policy is written in a way that the commissioner and and these other parties who now are involved in sort of informing league decisions on things like this have a tremendous amount of latitude and don't need to to, to have evidence near the threshold of what you would need for um, you know for for a court of law or or, or um, uh, you know. For, for even the civil procedures. So can they just suspend him indefinitely as more information has is, is come to light? Do they decide that in lieu of making a declarative statement about his, um, you know, the, the outcome of this, we're just going to put him on the commissioner's exempt list? We're going to put him moment. on ice, what yeah, baseball did with Trevor Bauer. And, yeah, and, yeah, and we'll get back to it when we get back to it. <laughs> when we as, choose to, yeah. As the information comes to light that informs our decision. I mean, look, we, we know we've seen the league do a lot of things over the years where they can sort of make the rules up as it goes along, and they are not beholden to any precedent. So, yeah, if the Cleveland Browns were to come to find out that 
it's more likely than not that he plays no football for you this year. That's that's how it goes. So they, yeah, they 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 knew what they were that they what they were risking by giving up what they gave up and structuring this the way they structured it at a time when there was no clarity about his future regarding the NFL. So let's just play this thing out. I, I can't imagine, Jason. I honestly can't imagine Roger Goodell allowing him to play from day one this year. I don't care that he missed all last year. Yeah. I can't imagine that he's going to start the season. No, and it leads to no two way. questions. And one is a football question and one is not. The first question is, these people who own the Cleveland Browns, who have shown for years their incompetence yes. as owners, how, how could they, how is this playing in Cleveland, in the city of Cleveland? What is the reaction to signing Deshaun Watson? And two, and this is the football part, Baker Mayfield is under contract to them. He, is the, he has been their starting quarterback for a few years. He hates their guts, and they don't like him. What happens to him if they have, don't have Deshaun Watson? And again, Jason, maybe I'm wrong. I can't imagine they're going to have Deshaun Watson at the beginning of the season. No, they're not. They're not going to have Deshaun Watson um, at the beginning of the season. There's, there's no doubt about that. It, it's, there seems to be a mounting backlash in, in Cleveland and elsewhere as more people, I think, become aware of, of the exact nature of these claims and allegations and charges. And not everybody's going to sit there and weed through, um, you know, this legal document or that legal document. But if you've just sort of read some of the reporting that's been going on. And again, the, the New York Times has a tremendous piece, Big piece um, that today. Jenny Ventress wrote yesterday. And, and you, you, you see what, how, how sort of callous his responses to Sean Watson's responses to some of these questions have been um, when he has been deposed. And you, you, you sort of, um, you, you, you compare that to the, the, the way these women are telling their stories. I think in the court of public opinion that the pendulum continues to swing before, why do we need this guy running out onto a field, being celebrated, you know what I mean, being, being yeah. mic'd up during games, representing the NFL, representing the city of Cleveland where he's never spent a damn minute anyway because most of the time he's back in Houston because he's constantly being deposed because he has 23 civil allegations against him of sexual misconduct or in some cases allegations of, of straight-out um, criminal sexual activity. Yeah, I don't think it's playing real well there. And you're right to bring up the Haslam's because this absolutely positively only happens in Cleveland with that contract um, and all of the parameters that went into making this happen because the owners desperately, badly wanted it. If they weren't a million percent on board, I got news for you. There is no salesman in the world. There is no general manager or team president or coach who would have the persuasive powers to talk them into it. You don't get talked into something like this when no. you're the one setting that no. precedent and putting $200 million in escrow and giving him $230 million fully guaranteed Unbelievable. and year one in the way it's structured. So well, even if it turns out he was, he was a pretty despicable guy, he's not going to pay any financial ramifications from it. It's only going to lose a million bucks if he doesn't play all year. That only happens because the owners are fully on board with it, and they keep going yes. to their football people saying, okay, well, he still doesn't want us. What else could we do to sweeten the pot? What if we did this? What if we did that? 
but they don't speak to it at all. Kevin Stefanski, the coach, has to wear this week in, week out as new things come to light. And that's I'm not I'm not saying anybody should feel sorry for Kevin Stefanski either, but let's just be real about who the face of this transaction is. It's D and Jimmy Haslam eight days a week, twenty five hours a day, all day long, all yeah. week long, yes. all season long, forever. Yes. Yes. All right. Um the May- the Bay- Baker Mayfield circumstance. Oh, and yeah, there's what happens? That. I mean, it's the same. What's that? It's the same as it ever was. Like, you know, they, they they've got a payroll now committed to be, you know, I think close to two hundred and seventy million dollars in a league with an alleged salary cap of two hundred eight. So they're all in financially. Um, no one, none of none of their. Uh, Partners, I'm using air quotes as, as the fellow owners like to call each other, are interested in taking, um, helping him out in any way, or ridding him of this problem unless he agrees to rid most of it himself. Which is, I'm gonna, I'm gonna absorb the bulk of this contract, and then I'll get something in return for this kid. And if it turns out he starts 75% of your games or plays X amount of your snaps, then I'll get something else on top of it. That, that's the only way to facilitate this right now. There, there isn't. There isn't an active market, I, I think, and a lot of people in the league think Seattle makes the most sense. But Seattle's in, again, no, no hurry to, to facilitate this. Um, and so it sits. And, you know, at, at some point, he's going to not want to be answering, have his people answer questions about Baker Mayfield anymore. And he's going to not want Baker Mayfield to be on his books at $19 bucks. Not to play, but but maybe Ken Lee, you know, is willing to eat 10 or 12 of that to get him out of there and get something for him. And then it'll happen. And until then, you know, they won't want him around, and he won't want to be around, and we'll keep doing this kabuki dance. Fantastic. I don't normally just have you talk about one thing, but I'm fascinated by it, and I appreciate your time on it. Bizarre, bizarre situation. Plug your radio show for us. Thank you, Tone. You could listen to me from 2 to 6 weekdays on Inside Access, The Fan on 105.7, The Fan in Baltimore. You can listen to the Odyssey app. Um, if you are out of market or www.1057thefan.com, um, lot of, lot of football, a lot of Ravens, a lot of Orioles. We like to make fun of the Nats these days and we will have, stink. Uh, former Terps coach Ralph Friedgen on with us at five o'clock on this particular Wednesday as he is up for induction into the college football hall Good. of fame and everybody loves Fridge. Yes. So yeah, please tune in and thank you for having me, my friends. Uh, by the way, Aiden last night gave up like ten runs. He's <laughs> yeah. one in ten on the year. It's one in ten. They yeah, did, they, did they bother to catch the ball in the outfield last night? I, <laughs> I must admit, I was watching the Orioles more closely than them. But it just yeah, I, it's fun. Like the three days a week, they just decide that fly balls are optional. I, I like that. <laughs> I, I'm very down with that. Thank you, Jason. Jason, you looking for boys and girls. Uh, we will take a break. We will come back with email and jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other 
other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Kirsten Onstead, thank you so very, very much. Nigel, you want to do the Bethesda bagel ad? Yes, thank you. Bethesda bagels, we love them. You will as well. We've got the bagel sandwiches today. You just need to go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in, and you'll be thrilled. That's almost it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say the highway's jammed with broken heroes on a last-chance power drive. Everybody's out on the run tonight, but there's no place left to hide. Together, Wendy, we can live with the sadness. I love you with all of the madness in my soul. That's Bruce Springsteen. Mr. Springstein. <laughs> Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon, Jason Locke, and Fora. Thanks to today's sponsors, Sunday Indochino, Simply Safe. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. I, I need to say this about all of the uh, emails we get. We get a lot of emails. I, I've got a backlog of hundreds of emails from years already. I Let's just say 60 come in a day, and let's just say Nigel picks 40 and gives me 40, and then I read 20. I mean, they all, we're so grateful for the emails, but they all don't get read. Yes. It's simple. They all don't get but read. But it's a reminder that even emails that feel great in the moment sometimes have to eventually reach the cutting floor. Yeah, yeah. shelf life, yeah. Uh, Daryl in Only Maryland, I'd ask you how you're doing, but I know two things. You don't know how to get to your email to read this, and two, I'm not sure you can be banned for life from a podcast. This Sunday, I flew from Baltimore to Denver. As I sat in the aisle seat, I looked over at the guy next to me in the middle seat. I didn't recognize the mid-twenties gentleman with the big headphones, so I asked his name. Steve, he replied. I asked, are you famous? What? Steve replied. I'm trying to meet someone famous on this flight, so I can email the bald orange man who hosts a podcast from his uncle's dining room table that he has out of spite. Steve looked at me, put his headphones back on. We haven't talked since. From Gary Mendez, I've lived a lot of places in my life. I spent about 15 years in Maryland. Well, I've never been seated next to a celebrity on a plane. I've crossed paths with many a celebrity athlete in my day, and a surprising number of them have happened at Camden Yards. I bumped into everyone from Pat Sajak to George Murison to Frank Robinson at Oriole Park. But the best experience was when I scored some great seats just behind the O's dugout for an April game, 2002. Being named Gary, you can imagine my surprise when as I walked to my seat, people started turning and looking and saying things like, great job, Gary, and way to go, Gary. This continued into the game. It took me until about the third inning to realize why people seemed to be looking over my head as they made their congratulatory remarks. I turned around to spot University of Maryland basketball coach Gary Williams, <laughs> who was fresh off an NCAA tournament championship just weeks earlier, sitting two rows behind me. 
Later in the game, as I went off to the bathroom, I spotted Coach Williams out on the concourse lighting a cigar, and I stopped and I said, sorry to bother you, Coach. I just want to say my name is Gary, and I'm sitting in front of you, so I thought people were talking to me the whole game. He patted me on the back and said, don't sell yourself short, Gary. You're doing a great job, too. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. Coach, if you're out there listening, thank you for the pep talk. <laughs> From Brandon Costello, who used to be Brandon Boker. Yes. Now he's Brandon Costello. I was on a plane once with the band Stillwater, sitting across from guitarist Russell Hammond. <laughs> we don't even have to go through this. It's a funny reference. It's a funny reference. It Come is. on, from Almost Famous. It's funny. Um, who's this from? Ronnie Newmark. Yes. Uh, we did the Beatles tribute with Tom Lofkin last Friday night at Jam and Java. While using the men's room, I didn't notice any celebs waiting to shake hands nearby, but I did spot a This Show Stinks sticker on the wall, photo attached. It stood out among the stickers of the countless bands that have played there and left their mark, as it were. Next Saturday, June 11th, and that's this Saturday, yes. right? June 11th. Yep. If you're in Rehoboth, my nine-piece Motown band, Soul Crackers, will be appearing on the Rehoboth Beach Bandstand. That's right in the middle of town. Yeah. That's right by the water. You drive all the way down on Rehoboth Avenue to you can't drive anymore, and that's where the bandstand is. That's fantastic. That's great. I don't expect to find parking. No, um, no they <laughs> no. can't park there. It's the Rehoboth Beach Bandstand from 8 o'clock to 9.15. It's a free outdoor show. You're all on the guest list. That's fabulous. Let's hope it's a nice night. And, you know, and they do well. And, yeah, this show stinks is on the wall. That's great. That's great. And those are the soul crackers. That's good. Uh, Teresa Krant. Didn't we talk about Teresa Krant? Boy, was I shocked while putting a load of clothes in the washer to hear about the knitted leg warmer you received in the mail. Mr. Tony, I'm a little and I'm thrilled that my sweater for the Blue Fairy Penguin, the one that says Penguin Parade Australia across his chest, that usually sits on the PTI set, made it to you. I hope Bonnie can put it on the Penguin and that it fits. I made that sweater in honor of Pengy's 11th anniversary on your PTI set. But more importantly, to thank you and Mr. Wilbon for your wonderful show that has meant so much to me and my family. Congratulations on your 20th anniversary. Michael, I know this was the first sweater I ever knitted, but you called it a leg warmer. Please know that if I had knitted a leg warmer, I would have knitted two because that's how they usually come in pairs. Please send me your calf size and favorite color because now I feel compelled to learn and <laughs> knit you a pair of leg warmers. Tony, thanks to you and the crew for the great podcast. I listen to it during the day, and then at night I listen over headphones to fall asleep. Your delivery and soothing voice, nobody's ever said that to me, <laughs> quiets the ringing in my ears and lets me have a peaceful night's sleep. A very thankful little Teresa Cramp. Isn't that lovely? That is nice. From Michael Wilson in Framingham, Massachusetts. Sean Colella is my cousin, who I'll see this weekend in Saratoga from my aunt's and his grandmother's 80th birthday party. I'll be sure to relay the message of his upcoming NIL deal and exciting changes to equipment for next <laughs> golf season. That's the kid from Binghamton. That's, yes. I'm not sponsoring that kid. <laughs> Oh, well, maybe I'll throw him a 10. You know what? I, <laughs> ten I spot, don't want sure. to Greg Wells, <laughs> who signs at Dr. Comcast, Why I'm Missing Pennsylvania. Listen to a few shows on Friday. Heard of your cell phone issues. Can't help but notice that the two folks from AT&T went ahead and blamed Comcast. Sure, the cell service that we have nothing to do with doesn't work. That's on us. I'll just call out that if you had our cell service, you'd have no issues as it automatically connects to our internet. Sounds like Michael got it working, but if it falters again, I'm sure we could accommodate a service transfer. I'll add that whomever you were discussing this Wi-Fi issue with got almost everything wrong. Happy to field questions if I can help. Thank you for being a great customer. This goes in the save bag. <laughs> yes, we'll save that one. Scott Feist in New Baden, Illinois. How we explain how a phone computer works to a novice, you by an IT system administrator, me. One, turn the device on. Two, the magic happens. You're welcome. <laughs> From Lee Gordon, LG, West Hartford, Connecticut, and Boynton Beach, Florida. Dr. Tony, 4G, 
5G. You don't need that. You got DG. <laughs> we haven't heard from DG in a while. It's been a bit, from yeah. From Claire Natola. Several years ago, the legendary Jen Babish showed me the setting on my iPhone that allows me to use Wi-Fi for phone calls. It's a damn good thing she did because I have since moved to a godforsaken part of northern New England where I have no cellular coverage. Jen Babish. She's good for more than just helping you pick out a new washer-dryer. Signed, Claire Natola, middle of nowhere, Vermont. P.S. Have Michael do these steps on your phone. Setting, cellular, Wi-Fi calling, Wi-Fi calling on this phone. Turn this on. That's what you did. Yep. You know, so thank you for that. And one more from Shad. It's about Max Scherzer's dog. Sit, stay, roll over, and remember, do not bite the hand that feeds you. If you're out on your bite time, everyone is always do wear white. Come on now. That means everybody just cool out. We you cool man. out, everybody. Sun is coming up over the bay. Everywhere, everything is changed. The only sound is wind in the trees. New York City is far from me. The sun is coming up over the bay. Friends back home tell me nothing is the same. That city symphony just stopped that day The crowds, the life, the energy are just sirens now through empty streets My silence turning city far away These days there is no work for me And I don't know if there will ever As remote lives keep moving on I sit down to write this song In this refuge from that storm far away It's far away Far from me Far away from me Then I read about a Day in Queens In cotton scrubs She is the infantry Trenches painted in fluorescent light Weaponless soldiers in the fight You read about a nurse's day in Queens She's wearing the only mask that she can find she knows that they will all get sick in time She's telling the writer all the things they need With the president lying on TV Her oath was not for her family to die Endless lines of those who won't be saved Dying in plastic chairs as they wait she gets home, won't hug her kids Writes her will like her friends all did Falls asleep in her living room chair again It's far away, far from me Far away 
making dinner, sun is going down. Sun will be setting over New York town. They'll be cheering soon on the empty street, a brief reprise of that symphony. In the city where I became a wife, where my mother was born, where I've made my life. And though I won't be there to cheer along, oh, I can sing this song for that nurse and for my city, my home.
Take it from me.